0: This is Steve Balton. You're here at My Turning Point, where this week, joined for a really fun and entertaining conversation with uh, the one and only Ice-T, talking about everything from James Brown and George Clinton to the car accident that changed his life. Uh, Really great conversation. Hope you enjoy this one as much as we did. Thanks. I love that backdrop, man.
1: Hey, I've been on Zoom so much, I feel like I've been quarantined, so I said, fuck it, I'm in prison.
0: Oh, okay, I thought it was okay So I, I thought it was you doing this for uh, filming But uh, no, this is just your personal backdrop Yeah, Zoom
1: allows you to put backdrops up I got some cool ones, let me see if you, uh, Let's see, right here I could be on tour <laughs> I could be in a nice penthouse Couple of them Oh, here's a nice tour, there you go I could be on a beach. So you got to mess around with your Zoom so you can. What's your favorite, though? I like the tour one. I missed tour this year, you know? Uh-huh. I'll leave that one up.
0: All right. I mean, as an SVU fan, I kind of like the prison one, but uh, I, I the tour one I get as well. You What's know, it's funny, too, because that you say you missed the touring. I mean... Dude, Carnivore is an album that just, well, all right, wait, we're supposed to start with The Turning Point, but we're going to start with this and then come back to The Turning Point and then come onto to the Grammy nom and all that. But uh, Carnivore is an album, man, that just feels like, you know, it's funny. You hear certain things that just feel like they need to be felt with an audience, that they need to be played live. They need that experience. So for you, you know, talk about, you know, the, the songs that, because eventually you will get to tour, right? The first vaccine was given today, you know? I don't know. I
1: mean, when when you actually been on tour and you like especially the festivals in Europe and you see hundreds of thousands of people standing next to each other. You really got to ask yourself, when is that going to be able to happen, considering this is a global pandemic? I mean, it hit Italy. It hit places harder first than us. So that could be years from now. I don't know. I mean, it's sad. And like you said, as far as Carnivore, it's like we dropped the album and within 30 days, the pandemic hit. So we haven't been able to do any shows on this new album and it sucks.
0: Well, yeah, especially because like I said, it's an album that feels like it's meant to be live. So are there songs in particular that when and if you'll be able to get back out and do these? that you're most excited to, you know, do with an audience and see how they respond and, and just feel that energy because it's an album that has an incredible energy.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's hard to say. I don't know. I I don't know. We were going to play bum. Rush. We had shows. We were going to play New York. We're going to play LA. Those were the ones. And I think what we had in our set, we had bum rush. We had, um, no remorse. We had, um, uh, Shoot, I I can't even remember this set list. But, I mean, come on, man. We want to do Ace of Spades live, you know what I'm saying? So, we, when I make music, I make them for concerts. Like, I think when I'm making this track, I'm like, we could walk on stage on this one. We could walk on stage with this one, you know? So, all of them are made like that. Another Level with Jamie Jass is a big, big concert type song. So, It sucks. And we had like 30 shows set up overseas, all canceled. So it was heartbreaking, you know? I mean, it was canceled for a good reason, you know? This is serious shit, but, you know, it definitely hurt.
0: Well, it's interesting too, because I really like the variety of the record as well though. And it's funny because you know, you talk about like doing Ace of Spades, which, you know, obviously I, I was lucky, I got to meet Lemmy over the years, you know, <laughs> bumped him at the rainbow here and there. But then you have a song like When You're Gone with Amy Lee, who's a friend who I've known forever, you know, and, and I like the fact that it's a very open song about Nipsey. But it's obviously like any great song is universal. So right. it's it's for anyone who's ever experienced loss in their life.
1: Yeah. Well when when um when I did when you when when were gone, that was inspired by all the love that came out for Nipsey's passing, but it kind of got me upset because I was like, wow, you know, uh, they actually sold out the Staples Center in like three hours for his tribute, but I was like, but would you have sold it out in three hours for a concert, you know what I'm saying? And I was like, this kind of sucks, so I that's what triggered the song, then Vince said, I got a singer for the song. I didn't know it was Amy Lee. When I heard it, I was like, wait a minute, now that's Evanescence. Like how the fuck did you meet her? He said, don't worry about it. And uh, she sent me a very nice email speaking about one of her friends or relatives that she lost too soon. So when both people are singing from the heart, you're gonna get a really great song.
0: Yeah, I mean, it. I, I'm curious, though, on the response to that song then, though, in particular, because what you say, it's funny, like I was just talking about this with a friend of mine the other night, right? There was a great English folk singer in the 70s called Nick Drake. I don't know if you're a fan or if you knew his music. Right. Only put out three albums, you know? And then there, there are so many of these artists over the years, of course, you go all the way back to Van Gogh, to artists who are not appreciated in their lifetime. And then only after they're gone, whether it's uh, Nick Drake whether it's a Jeff Buckley. I mean, look, man, I've had this conversation with people, too, because, like, you know, I mean, Kurt Cobain, Nirvana was a huge band, but would Kurt Cobain beat Kurt Cobain without that? It's hard to say, man. I mean, it's, it's an unfortunate thing that we have in society where people aren't appreciated until after they're gone. So, so what was the response to the song, and do you feel like people really understood that message?
1: People get it. And they love it. And like, it's like a song, like, even like, you know, I'm on social media a lot. I can post after anybody's died. You know? It's like, yeah, hey, I can- <laughs> it's a tribute to everybody. And it, it gets to people, you know? It gets to people. And it makes people think, like, you know, I'm right here with my wife, and I don't even tell her I love her. You know what I'm saying? Like, we, we sit around and we just don't. They say now, you know, give, give people their flowers. Now, you know? So I'm looking at my backdrop and my pillows like appearing and disappearing. Let me special effects budget is cheap over here. But I I I just write it from the heart, and if it's a good song, a good song will affect a lot of people a lot of ways, you know? So when I, when I make the song and then you can apply it to yourself, you know, I, I did a song called All, Long, All Love is Lost on the last album. My son was like, that's my song, dad. That's my fucking song. Like, You know, <laughs> it, it, it hit him a special way. So that's good music when, when uh, other people can apply
0: your song to their life. Well, yeah, I mean that's that's again going back to the universality of music, and it's funny. Like a song, like, I stuck with titles because I listened to everything all the way through. The something beat down. I can't remember what the the middle word. Critical was. beat down. Yeah, dude. I mean, it's like it's so. If I was just talking about this with someone. Well, I was talking about this with my producer this morning. Dude, I'm so fucking over the cancel culture and how like everybody on internet is such a bitch. Of like, okay, you could say. What you want because you know it goes back to that Mike Tyson quote about you know the worst thing about the internet being basically you know that people realize they could say shit without getting punched in the face, you know, right? Well, see,
1: the critical beat down is, is a song that's part of the body count tradition of outrageousness. You know, I always tell people that body count, the name I gave my band is 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 uh, uh um Grindhouse, kind of like a Tarantino movie, you know, it's it's so violent that you got to get the humor out of it you know so you know it's it's you know you talk a lot of shit now it's time to back it up time to meet face to face test that internet tough that internet tough you know like you name the place i'm there don't even fucking care i'll come to your fucking hood and beat your ass good <laughs> no weapons since you're such a bad man Bare knuckles in the street, bang it out, hand to hand. You can bring your whole crew. I'll roll with mine, too. Full block, gang fight, hard body, old school. You know, and it's, it's meant to be funny, but it's a, real, it's a real thing. Like, I'm tired of you talking shit. So there you go. You got a song.
0: Yeah. No, it's funny because, again, I mean, and especially we've seen it in the last year with politics and everything with everybody just feeling like they can say, whatever the hell they want online, dude.
1: <laughs> well, with Body Count, one thing I always wanted to do is be serious at times, but also remain, have that humor. You know? When you hear KKK, bitch, that shit is funny. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So we've always had that, that dark humor. Mama's got to die tonight. It's very... I, don't, I never wanted to be so serious. That we couldn't have fun, you know, because at the end of the day, this is entertainment. It isn't politics. It is entertainment. So my job is to take you. And when you come to a body count show, just to be fucking entertained and to have different areas you can go into makes the show that much better than just being on one note the whole time. You know what I'm saying? It's like I go to see certain people and I'm like, okay, you're trying to scare me but 30 minutes into the set, I ain't scared no more. <laughs> so, it's like, you know, now, 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 you know, so I've always wanted to have, be able to take
0: you in and out of these zones. That makes sense. All right, but first your turning point moment. What's that one moment for you that when you think about where you are today kind of led you here?
1: I think, I think my turning point moment was a car accident I had in my life. Um, I was in the streets and I was hustling and I was headed to prison, for sure. Um, Because at that time, I mean, music wasn't even in my realm. It was just like, yo man, you know, this is how we gonna get it. And I was hanging out with a crew of people that this was all, our option was, we was gonna rob, steal, and hustle till we were millionaires. And I was in a car accident and I was unconscious and I am stuck in the hospital, I broke my pelvis, uh, all my ribs, my arm, and I was incapacitated for like 10 weeks. And during that time, I had to really soul search, and I was like, man, that was your whole life. You did, you did absolutely nothing. You were selfish. Just, I didn't want to die like that. I mean, you know, sometimes when you come close to dying, you go, that was it. That was your life. Nobody gave a fuck about you. Nobody knows you. You're nothing. And fortunately, when I came out of that, hip-hop was waiting. And I decided to try to, you know, get into it. I couldn't sing, but hip-hop was rapping, and it was DJ, and I was like, man, this is a chance. Maybe I could do something. And little did I know, the words that came out of my mouth, because it was from the life of crime, were intriguing to people. And uh, I found a lane. And, of course, my friends thought I was stupid. They were like, yeah, you better come get this money, man. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And I, Why do you want to make music? And you got to remember, this was a time before anyone had even bought a car making rap records. So, But something told me to get out of the game and fortunately that was my transition point. That car accident had to stop me long enough to get a grip on my life. And then I changed the tra- trajectory and you know, I, I, I roughed it out and my, my career started to change, and rap led me to movies and allowed me to make body count and make rap, you know to, I just became more and more creative. And uh, but I did it all using my past experiences as the catalyst. This is what we sing about, because this is where you came. You got to remember, I didn't get into music till I was 27. So I had lived a full life on the other side before I tried this stuff. And I'm still using that experiences and life things to,
0: as my basis to my art. That's so interesting. So was, were you like 26, 27, when you had the car accident then? Yeah. Okay. It's interesting what you say about, you know, still using the that stuff as, you know, using your life experience as the basis for your art. I want to come back in a second, too, to the artists who take you on that journey that, you know, don't scare you, then scare you and back and forth. But before that, I want to ask you, are there those artists that you think? Of, I mean, I think of like, you know, and it's funny because it works in all genres of music. I think of guys who are outlaws like Willie Nelson and Waylon Jennings. I think of like Johnny Cash. But then obviously, you know, I mean, Bob Marley, you think of those people who, who have used, who are those people for you who you really admired or when you started putting your experiences into your art that you admire for being able to tell that story and tell it autobiographically.
1: Well, I was interested, I was really, I modeled myself after the writer Iceberg Slim, who was a pimp, who wrote books. Uh, Robert Beck was his real name. And for a while I was reading the books and I wanted to live that lifestyle. You know, I wanted to be a pimp. I wanted to do all those things. But then I had this epiphany one day. I'm like, a dude is a writer. Like, he not only lived it, he's writing it. So if you really idolize him, which I did, you can't just, excuse me, you can't just live the game, Ice. You have to document the game because there's a lot of players out there that ain't never going to be known because they're just living the game. The reason you know Iceberg's name is he documented the game. So that's when I started to realize that you know, cause all players, we want to be special, we want to be known, we want motherfuckers to throw parades with balloons with our net. You know, that's the, a part of us. So I was like, I start to document the game. So my music wasn't so much to dance to. I used to use beats that you couldn't dance to as me explaining the game to you guys. Like my my way of doing literature over uh music. And I think still to today, my music is me trying to explain to people what the fuck's going on. Like, this is what's going on. Like, that's just what I've I've become, like a translator between cultures and between everybody. Like, this is what it's like in prison. This is what it's like in the hood. This is what it's like dealing with racists. This is what it's like, from my experience. And um, that's how I make music.
0: <laughs> so interesting. I mean, obviously it's funny because when you look at 2020, I mean, it feels like everybody needs a fucking translator. <laughs> everybody <laughs> needs that, you know? So, so do you feel like, you know, that translating role has taken an added, I mean, look, when you look at everything that happened this year, sometimes it feels like, you know, it's funny. You think about when you're a kid and you have that joke about how your parents are speaking a different language. Well, right now it feels like half the country is speaking Klingon and the other half of the country Speaking, fucking—I don't know. I'm not a sci-fi nerd, but you know, whatever hey, it would be, yeah. I think I think
1: this year is a wake-up call for the world. Like, it, it's it's a great year in a way because now you actually can see. Co. It's a great it's a great year because it allowed us to really see who everyone is. You know, it, it was a way where you know the racists kind of showed their self. You know, your friend who you thought was cool, you like, oh, wow, that's how you really feel. So it kind of like exposed a lot of people. Now, the election is a good thermometer because what you get to see is there's 70 million people that feel another way than you feel. I mean, this country is as divided as ever. And uh, that's a cold um, message for people. A lot of people can't deal with it. They can't believe it. Like, Trump can't believe that there's 70 million people that don't like him. He doesn't, he doesn't believe that. And their side can't believe that people want it differently than they do. They, they don't get it. So this
0: country is as divided as ever. Well, Let's, let's get one thing straight, because this is important. It's way more than 70 million people who didn't like Trump. It's, it's at 81 million for Biden right now and counting. So, you know, I want to give him all that's ten, yeah. that's 10 million give or take. But I mean, it's divided. It's divided. No, it's, it's, it's yeah. 50, I mean, look, dude, in Michigan today, they actually had to, like, basically shut down the, the, I mean, they had to have armed security for the electors to cast their votes because it's, because it's fucking crazy. But I mean, you know. <laughs> what happens in this country
1: is that, like, Chris Rock said it best. He said that there's a pendulum that's swinging. And when it swings one way, the other, com- the other side lays dormant and festers. So we started with Bush, right? Yeah. And then it swung over to uh, Clinton, who was smoking weed, getting head in the White House, right? So then it swings back to son of a Bush, all right? Then it swung over to Obama, who's playing basketball and bumping Jay-Z. Then it swung back to Trump. So he said the only place left for it to swing is Jesus. (laughs) He's like, (laughs) you know, but this is what happens. It shifts back and forth. And, hey, man, it is what it is. It's the United States. I think KRS once said it best. You'll never have justice on stolen land. This place is, is corrupt from the bottom up. There's some good people here, but you know, it's, it's, it's a crazy place, you know?
0: It is. And unfortunately it did. I mean, you and I can talk politics and talk all this shit all day, but we only have about 10 minutes and there's, I got to ask you about the Grammy nomination, but before we come onto that, I do want to ask you going back to what you were saying about those artists who, you know, they would scare you for 30 minutes. And after 30 minutes, you're not. So who are those artists who take you on that journey, whether it's in film, whether it's in music, whether it's in literature, just those people. Cause I know exactly what you're talking about. People who can take you on a full emotional journey. Well, like I say, Tarantino to me is like my favorite at taking you in
1: and putting you in that world. I mean, I think Reservoir Dogs is like one of the greatest movies ever because I lived that and I know what it's like after a robbery. And to be able to make a movie with just, you know, a few people in a garage and hold your attention, that was intense. You know, uh, I think that um, Rob Zombie masters it as far as film goes and horror. He's, he's good, you know, Thousand Maniacs or whatever that shit is called. I mean, that shit's wild. But he's he's got his post. I mean, when you go in, I think it's just a vibe. You know what I'm saying? When you would watch James Brown, you were in James Brown's fucking world the whole fucking time. You know what I'm saying? Slayer took you to hell. You know, and you were in, till they ended the last note. I just you had that zone and, you know, whether it was somebody like Cannibal Corpse, you know, those are zones you go into. And so I, I always dug that. The thing of it is with us, I wanted to have multiple zones that were just as good. So you had the fun zone. You got the punk zone. You got the political zone. You got the gangster zone. But it just has to be believable. And... uh sometimes people try to act so hard that it's not believable because you're like the illest mafia motherfucker can crack a joke, you know what I'm saying? Then they will kill you. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) It's, it's not, a lot of times I can look through it and see it, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm big fan. I was a big fan of George Clinton, parliament Funkadelic had me believing he landed a motherfucking mothership. And, you know, And I was, like, in there. I was, like, totally into the whole parliament thing when they was really heavy with flashlight. You know, so that's a good vibe when you can take people into another world. Uh, You know, I think uh, uh, I like uh, Slipknot does it well. You know?
0: Yeah. Nice. I know I'm just quick, curious, and we'll wrap up on the Grammy nomination, but it's funny because you mentioned Tarantino. You mentioned Rob Zombie, who I've known for years, and I don't know if you ever got to go to any of the horror parks he does. That's a twisted motherfucker. I love that <laughs> David. But he is one of the horror mazes. You I went to one of his horror parks. You go in, and the first one you go into, they put a fucking bag over your head, and you have to feel along the wall, and you can't see anything. And I took the bag off because it's disorienting, and of course, you're paying for this shit, right? You're in a horror right. maze. You take the bag off, and right when it comes off, I immediately I heard someone say, put the fucking bag back on your head. And then the second maze you go into the whole thing took place in the giant vagina. I love Rob, but that is a twisted motherfucker. So, now, who who is... Uh, what uh, Quickly, what are those TV shows that take you on those journeys? Have there been any that you've been watching in 2020? My favorite
1: is Black Mirror. The Black Mirror shows, uh, which are like Twilight Zones from
0: the future. And if you're not at the Black Mirror, check out Black Mirror. All right. Well, it's funny because for you being on SBU, by the way, I always ask, it's funny, like Steve Van Zandt, who was on Sopranos and is an E Street band has become a friend. And we've talked about this. What's the one show that you would love to guest on? What the one show that you would love to do as a fan?
1: Wow. I can't even think of a show that I, I would want to guest star on. Not right, right now. No, I can't, I can't answer that one. I mean, the, Maybe power, you know. I'm tired of playing a cop, so I'd like to play a gangster, or arch-villain someplace, you know. I mean, the, you know, the thing is with acting, actors like to, to swing that pendulum, too. They like to go from doing this to being a school teacher, or doing something funny. Maybe a comedy. I might be having fun to do a comedy. I'm a funny motherfucker. <laughs> uh, is there a favorite comedy show?
0: I don't watch that much TV like that, so no. What's the, favorite, what, what's the favorite funny movie of all time? The one movie that can just make you laugh every time you see it, no matter what? Oh, wow, you put me on the spot right now with these questions. Well, see, it's funny for me as a movie fan. I just think of, you know, like those, those movies that I could just watch again and again and again.
1: A funny movie. No, I can't answer that.
0: I, 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 I shit.
1: I mean, I, I'm, I, I'm, I like, I like, you know, one movie I really laughed at was really hard, The Hangover. Nice. The Hangover, when motherfuckers stole Mike Tyson's Tiger, that shit. And the and the new Asian guy, the guy that's a doctor, this, I don't know his name, but he's John. now, he's a motherfucker. When they saw his penis, I was like, yo, this shit is ridiculous. I loved, I, yeah, I'd say The Hangover was one of my favorites, you know, that I can think of right now.
0: Nice. All right, I'm going to put you on the spot one more time, though, but it's not about TV. It's funny because we're supposed to be talking about the Grammy nomination, you know. And I ask this of everybody I ever interview about Grammys because, look, here's the thing, right? Grammys are known for their iconic duets. If right. you got to be on the show, who would be the dream artist for you to perform with on the Grammys?
1: Oh, wow. My dream artist would probably be Prince, you know? but You know? Or, or Hendrix, you know? That would be cool. But, you know, most now alive, I don't know. Maybe George Clinton, more maybe 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 he's he's still alive. You know, bigger the headache, the bigger the pill. They call me the big pill because he was one of my idols. But you know, my I just did a a record with Rod a Rugged Man, and his his album said his record said all my heroes are dead, and unfortunately, like the people I really looked up to, James Brown and people like that, have passed away. So, you know, I'm getting I, I'm getting thin as far as, you know, my, my superheroes.
0: But George is still here, man. And George is still, so I've gotten to interview George a lot of times over the years, man. I love that dude. And he gave me one of the best fucking headlines of all time, because of course it's George Clinton and he can just turn a phrase like anyone, right? We were talking about the prescription drug problem in this country. And he's like, that's the United States. He's like, it's one nation under sedation. And I was like, who just comes up with that off the top of their head? I mean, George Clinton is the man, and you know what I
1: learned from George Clinton and what I learned from James Brown and I learned from Ozzy Osbourne is that real people will be real. I have puppies over my house. I have five new puppies over here. Oh, shit. Nice. What kind? Bulldogs. English bulldogs. Okay. So that's what you hear in the background that's not my stomach or my ball sack or anything it's all good um, i have
0: a pit lab mix who usually barks in every interview but he's just lying on the bed waiting patiently to go out for his walks so
1: right but um i learned from them that a real person is going to be real forever like they'll never change so when people interview me they go ice you seem the same and i'm like i'm gonna be like this till i die (laughs) You know, because this is who I really am. Ozzy is never going to change. JB never changed. So, and George Clinton is still the same motherfucker, you know? So
0: uh, that's what you get for being real, I guess. You don't change. Dude, Ozzy's never going to fucking change. A couple years ago, I went to interview him at an event, walk in, his publicist, who's a friend, was like, and Ozzy, it was at a Black Sabbath event, and very quickly, Ozzy and Tony Iommi were sitting there, And the publicist says to Ozzy, who was like at this record release event, had no idea what the fuck was going on, you know, like not because he didn't know, but because he just didn't care. Like he was just like, I'll show up, do whatever I need to do. Right. right. So he sits down for the interview. And, and I was the first one I was interviewing him for Rolling Stone before the interview. The publicist was like, Oh, Ozzy, can I get you or Ozzy? Can I get you anything? He just looks her dead in the face and he goes, some heroin would be nice. (laughs) (laughs) That's Ozzy, dude. He's never gonna. I love that dude. All right, man. So, uh, the grammy nomination best metal performance for bum rush what, what where were you when you found out and what does that mean to you
1: really the first one the one we got let, the other album was more mind blowing when i got the first one i'm like this is a prank call like for, for 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 black hoodie then they call and they go we want you to perform i'm like really what the fuck is going on <laughs> but we performed at the pre awards and we got t- we we lost to um, to mastodon the thing about it is the Grammys are like this. fuck the Grammys, fuck the Grammys, Fuck the Gr- I'm nominated. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I mean, you know you nobody know you know these award ceremonies aren't important until you get nominated. Then all of a sudden, what am I going to wear? What am I going to do? So of course, it's exciting. so when they hit us again. I thought they were talking about the last one. I thought someone says, you got nominated. I'm like, yeah, I know. We got nominated. We lost. No, you got nominated again. Hold on. Hold on. So I, when they said we got nominated, I was like, I know we got nominated, but we lost. They said, no, you got nominated again. I'm like, again? For what song? They said, Bum Rush. Like, what? But then I start thinking, I'm like, well, it kind of like predicted what was going to happen. You know, it shows the video, especially shows the riots and the, the, all the craziness and stuff. And it just feels good. Considering the thousands and thousands of people that make records every year, the thousands to just be acknowledged fi- as five records that got picked. It's got to feel good. You know, I mean, you want to be acknowledged. Grammys, whoever, any kind of award is really appreciated.
0: I'm not going to lie. I'm looking to see who you're nominated with. I didn't even know. Okay. Code Orange. All right. In this moment, Poppy, Power Trip. I mean, it's funny. Are there artists in there that you're friendly with or that you have camaraderie with? Or do you know many of them?
1: We were up with Code Orange the other year. Um, We both lost. I mean, Code Orange is a dope-ass band. Uh, Of course, I'm friends with Power Trip. Riley was on Point the Finger and he passed away this year. So that really sucks. So, I mean, if we don't win, I want Power Trip to win. If, you know, if Power Trip wins, I'll be happy for that because my guy's gone. You know,
0: it's sad. Yeah. (laughs) But again, that goes back to what we're talking about when, when we're gone. I mean, you know. It's funny. I, I, I want to wrap up on this because this is interesting dude, and I know you got to go, but it's funny. Um, so a couple of years ago, I got to go to this event for Joni Mitchell. It was Joni 75 where they actually did, you know, cause she's been sick for several years, hasn't been able to perform live. So they did this giant thing celebrating her music where everybody got to come and perform for her. And you talked about your heroes being gone, you know, and I love that event because I love the fact of getting to celebrate someone while they're around to see it. So for mm-hmm. you as a fan, who would be the one artist that you would want to see celebrated that way? Like, you know, see a bunch of people get together, do their music and let them know they're appreciated in their time. Because, again, you look at whether it's Bowie, whether it's Prince. I mean, some of these guys we just didn't know were going to be gone. Leonard Cohen, though, in his, was in his 80s. James Brown, I got to meet one. So who's for, who for you is that artist? Wow. I mean, right. I wouldn't want to do it. I don't want to say anybody. I don't want to jinx them like
1: they're going to be gone. But. I think we should do something for Public Enemy. I think that, uh, you know, Chuck D and Public Enemy, to me, were the most influential as far as making rap conscious and making, you know, us all know that, yeah, we could talk that shit, but you need to be saying something, you know, about what's going on, you know? And they were one of the first rap groups just to say, we black and we proud, you know? And, uh, like, if there's rap gods, like Chuck to me is like a rap God. Like he's just that guy, uh, you know, so him and maybe Dr. Dre, I think Dr. Dre to me is the Quincy Jones of hip hop. Uh, if you look at his track record is unfuckwithable, sold more records. He's made more, you know, superstars than any producer. And, uh, you never see Dre. I mean, I'm a good friend with him, but he's always somewhere else. So I think a great Dr. Dre tribute. Just imagine who could come out. He I mean, you keep putting Eminem, 50 Cent, The Game, Kendrick Lamar, you know, Anderson Peck, Snoop. I mean, everybody he's ever touched has been a superstar. All right,
0: so what's the one Public Enemy song and the one Dre song that you would want to cover at this event? Who, me? Yeah. 'Cause at the tribute, you know, that's what happens. Everybody comes out and does the songs. I cover Rebel without a pause
1: for Chuck and for Dre. Uh uh shit. I probably do some NWA shit with him. You know. I don't know what Dre see Dre's a producer, so I'd have to pick a song. I'm listening to his all his new music right now. I can't answer the Dre one right now. All right, good okay, uh, I know I know, you know How about Eminem? They forget about Dre, you know?
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I know we got to wrap up. Dude, this was a blast. Anything that you want to add I did not ask you about? Nah, man. Just thanks for, you know, the years and years of support.
1: I've been doing this a long time and my fan base is still strong. So thanks to you guys. And, you know, my fans had to kind of get with Ice-T and understand Ice is going to do a lot of things. A lot of things. But if you don't like one thing I do, that doesn't matter because if you like something else I do, you still like me. So I fucks with it. I don't, you don't have to like everything, <laughs> you know. But, uh, yeah, this, this, everybody stay safe, man. I don't want anybody to get hurt by this bullshit that's going on right now. I've lost too many people.
0: Hopefully, man, people can ride it out for a couple more months. Yeah. Cool. Thanks so much, we man. Have a good one. All right. Hey, this is Steve Bolton. You've been here on My Turning Point with special guest Ice tea. Thanks. If you're a parent with cancer, you're probably worried that your child is feeling scared, sad, or alone when all you want is for them to just feel like a kid. Camp Kesem is a free week-long overnight camp for children ages 6 to 18 who have a parent facing cancer and was created for kids like yours to have a joyful and empowering summer. Kids have a blast together enjoying camp activities surrounded by a compassionate community of friends. Register your child for a free life-changing adventure at kesem.org
2: camp.
1: If you look around, there are so many ways to make a difference. At Capella University, our FlexPath format gives you a different way to earn your degree. Take courses at your speed. Move on whenever you're ready. Education should fit your life.
0: Learn more at capella.edu.
2: It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football.